We've been talking about poetry in the Bible, how biblical poets love design and masterfully use metaphor and symbolism. These poems invite us into an experience, to ponder ideas slowly and from many angles. And the largest collection of poetry in the Bible is the book of Psalms. So that's what we're going to look at here. Now, the Israelites composed lots of poetry throughout their history. Yeah, poems were written by Israelites, sages, kings, and prophets. Some poems were sung by choirs in the Jerusalem temple, while others were prayed by families at home. And over the centuries, the most important and widely read poems were compiled together to be read or sung on special occasions. And I'm familiar with books of poetry, a large collection of the greatest poems in one place, and I can read through and pick my favorites. But the Book of Psalms isn't that kind of collection. Here, each poem has been expertly crafted and then placed where it is for a reason, to create a storyline from the book's beginning to its end. The Psalms poetically retell the entire biblical story, and they invite you into a literary temple. A literary temple? Yeah, so the tabernacle and then later the temple in Jerusalem were where ancient Israelites went to meet with God. When you arrived, you would see art and imagery everywhere. You'd see priests performing rituals. You'd hear songs and prayers, all of it symbolically proclaiming that your God rules the world from this mountain and you're in his living room. So the temple was a place to be in God's presence and also to immerse yourself in the story of God's kingdom. Exactly. And so try to imagine how traumatic it was when the Babylonians invaded Jerusalem, plundered and burned the temple, and then took many Israelites into exile. Yeah, where can they go now to meet with God, to sing their story and say their prayers? That's where the book of Psalms comes in. It's a prayer book for exiles designed as a virtual temple. You enter the Psalms to meet with God and to hear the entire biblical story of God's kingdom sung back to you in poetry. Cool, but how does the Psalms do it? Let's start with the book's design. There are 150 poems broken up into five clear sections. At the beginning, there's been placed a short introduction, Psalms 1 and 2, which lay out the main themes of the whole book by reviewing the biblical storyline. Okay. Psalm 1 looks back to the Garden of Eden and its river of life. Yeah, God placed humanity in a garden temple. And here, humans decide to define good and evil on their own terms and so are exiled from the garden. But the first psalm paints a portrait of hope, about an upright human who delights in God's wisdom, which is called Torah, or instruction. This person is like the tree of life in the garden temple. They eternally blossom because they're planted in the river of God's life. Yeah, that's beautiful, but who's it supposed to be? Well, remember that story in Genesis? After humanity's foolish rebellion, God made a promise. Oh right, a future human, the seed of the woman who would come and defeat evil and restore the world. And that's what Psalm 2 is about. God's promise that a king would come from the line of David. He's called the Son of God and the Messiah. God appoints him to bring justice on human evil and to restore God's kingdom and peace over the nations. So Psalms 1 and 2 introduce all these main themes. Yes, and then the book develops those themes through the five sections. The first two explore the complicated story of David and his royal family. The third section focuses on the tragedy of Israel's exile and the downfall of David's royal line. But then the fourth and fifth sections rekindle the hope for the Messiah, a new temple, and God's kingdom on the other side of the exile. Then the book ends with a five-part conclusion, praising God for his faithfulness. Cool. Now, nearly half of the Psalms are connected to one guy, King David, who God chose to rule Israel. Yes, David's story is really important in this book. He experienced many times of hardship, 
but he trusted God with radical faith. And in these poems, David shares his fears, confesses his failures, and offers thanks to his Redeemer. And he's constantly speaking of a deep longing to be in God's presence in the temple. But wait, David lived before the temple was even built. Exactly. This portrait of David, hoping and praying for God's kingdom and a future temple, it resembles the hopes of the later generations of the exiles. And so David's prayers could become theirs as well. David's like a prayer coach, giving us words for how to pray and how to discover God's presence in good times and bad. Exactly. There are 73 poems connected to David, but most of the rest come from later generations of biblical poets. And they have learned to pray and hope like David. And so the end result is the book of Psalms, designed as a virtual temple for all generations of God's people. This isn't a kind of book you just read once and put down. No, it's designed for a lifetime of slow rereading and reflection. These prayers and laments and songs of praise are meant to become our own. They're poems for exiles who are learning to live by God's wisdom and to seek God's justice in the world as they hope for the coming Messiah and the kingdom of God. Amen. What's up, church? Let's give the Lord a hand today. Church, come on. How's everybody doing? Good. Can I ask all y'all to stand up? We want to welcome everybody, all the people watching all, all our campuses, all the people in the military watching around the world. Let's give all those people out there a big hand. God bless y'all. God bless y'all. Uh, we are uh, continuing our series called When Bad Things Happen. And if you're new, my name is Miles. I'm the pastor of The Rock. And we're in this series talking about what we do when bad things happen. Uh, and I'm excited about today's. I think I'm going to throw a little curveball at you today. So uh, how many of y'all been having bad things happen in your life? Amen. God bless y'all. Keep your hand up. Look around the room. All of y'all. All of us. Can I get Amen. So we're all in the same boat. They're all in the same boat. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Lord, I pray that we would uh, think about those bad things and surrendering them to you today. I pray we would take the next few minutes to bring them to the altar and give them to you in exchange for your peace and your love in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, give your problems to God. Give your problems to God. <laughs> Amen. If you ever heard the lie or, a lie or a mistruth that, oh, I get saved and all my problems go away, that's not true. <laughs> uh, what you do is you get uh, the help of God to get, get you through. So, um, uh, if you're struggling with something today, uh, you're in the right place. I want you to be thinking about it because I want you to take it and I want you to give it to God today. Amen. I want you to give it to God today. Let's lift your Bibles up on the count of three. On the count of three, say word. <laughs> I just think it's willful disobedience every Sunday you guys come here. <laughs> it's just like, we're not. We're just going to say as soon as he says, let the Bible, I'm saying word. One, two, three, say word. Amen. Turn to Psalm chapter 3. Psalm chapter 3. If you are reading through the Bible with us, amen. If you're reading through the Bible with us. Oh, come on now, church. Let's read through the Bible. Read through the Bible. We start the book of Psalms today. We read, if you read already, um, Psalm 1 through 5 already. We're going to look at Psalm 3. Psalm 3. Psalm 3. Um, when my kids were little and when I was little, I'm, and I'm sure probably 
A lot of you, if not all of you, heard this when you were little. When something bad happened and you complained, your parents told you stop complaining. Can I get amen? Uh, anybody anybody uh, resonate with that? Can I get amen? Okay, amen. Uh, so you tell your kids stop complaining. Well, I, I said the same thing to my kids. Don't complain. Well, I'm going to contradict myself today. I'm going to tell you that when bad things happen, complain. Now, we started this series about a month ago on it. In the first sermon, I, I said, when bad things happen, dwell in the past. In other words, how has God gotten you through stuff in the past? Raise your hand if God's got you through a bunch of craziness in your past. Amen. Amen. So when bad things happen, you should pause and think about that. How God got you through when David was going to fight Goliath and the king Saul said, David, you can't fight Goliath because you're a little kid. He said, hold on, hold on, hold up. God in the past saved me from a lion and a bear. So God will in the future save me from this giant. So when, when, when bad things happen and the devil's telling you life is over, you're a failure, you say, wait, 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 God got me through in the past or I overcame stuff in the past or I made mistakes in the past and God turned it into good in my life. And so my life is not over. So dwell in the past, the good things in the past. We talked about worship. When Job was um, attacked by the devil, he said, I worship God. God give, God takes away. Naked I came in front of my mother's womb. Naked I go back. It all belongs to God anyway. But today I'm going to talk about complaining. That when bad things happen, you should complain. <laughs> now, um, the Psalms that we just saw in the video are poems and songs to God. I call it soul food. They teach our soul how to respond to God. They teach our soul how to talk to God. They teach our soul how to talk about God. They teach our soul how to talk like God. And these psalms, many of them were songs that were sung, hymns to praise God. And these psalms had different themes. They were praise psalms that you praise God for his holiness. They were thanksgiving psalms that were you thank God uh, for who he was. They were worship psalms. They were wisdom psalms. They were impeccatory psalms. Impeccatory psalms were psalms where you would pray to God to smoke your enemies. In other words, in, in our language, God smoked that fool for me. But it was, you, it was telling you how to say that to God. Yes, this is how you ask God to judge your enemies according to his mercy, not your judgment. So God said when you have something against somebody, here's how you pray to me against them. And again, it, it, it's all according to God's mercy. But then there were lament psalms. They would say lament. Lament psalms is when stuff didn't go right and you were like, God, what's up? Why is this happening? How many of y'all ever had something happen to you like, this is not right? Can I get an amen? And so God says, listen, I get that. There are going to be things happening in your life that are not fair in your mind. That person's wrong. I'm right in your mind. That person shouldn't have, have as many likes as me because my post is better than theirs. It's not fair. I should be making all my money. I should have that man. I should have that woman. And all this stuff that's, that's not fair in our life. And, and God says, well, and we have to ask, what do we do with that? God says, I want to teach you how to lament. I want to teach you how to complain, how to vent. That's a good thing. It's not like we should walk around and go, oh, praise the Lord, everything's good, everything's good. No, this is not good. I don't feel good right now. So God says, here's what I want you to do with that anger. And he gives us this structure. Now, we just saw in the video that a lot of these psalms were written by David about David's life in Psalm chapter 3. 
was written by David about when David was running from his son. Give you context. I'm going to say context. Uh, by the way, context is the circumstances around which something happens. All of you have your own context. You have your own pain. You have your own understanding of what this is. Some of you come here saying, I want to meet with God. Some of you come here saying, I don't want to have some guy tell me what to do. Some of you come here thinking, well, I'm just going to put my time. And so it's all about context. Some of you come here mad at God because you feel your life, what's happening to you is not fair. And so we all have context, right? And we, and, and we pray the Holy Spirit bring clarity and accuracy to your context. And so when you read the Bible, you have to understand the context. And here's the context of what David's going to say. David had a bunch of kids from a bunch of women, but one of his sons, Amnon, rapes his half-sister Tamar. His other son, Absalom, kills his brother Amnon for raping his half-sister Tamar. His son, Absalom, who kills his, his brother, runs and flees from King David, his dad. King David eventually brings him back to Jerusalem and then Absalom, in repayment for his dad's love, ends up dethroning him by treason and David runs from his son. Are y'all following what I'm saying? So I'll give you two a different way. The dad's son kills his other son for raping his other daughter. His son who kills his other son dethrones him by treason going behind his back. So David runs away in fear that his son's going to kill him. So David writes this psalm. Now that's the context. David's like, man, my son who killed my other son is now dethroning me and I got to run for my life. And I even know I'm the king and I brought him back to Jerusalem out of, out of forgiveness. That's not fair. How many of y'all had something like that happen to you? Anybody? <laughs> Where your son raped your sister, your, other, your daughter, and then, he, and, then, you know, and then he kills your other son and then you had to run. I mean, that's, that's insane. So David's writing this and what he's going to write to God is, God, what's up? This ain't right. And so these lament psalms had a general structure. I'm not going to say this structure is every time there's a lament psalm. But whenever you read a psalm, it's good for you to know what kind of psalm is it. Am I supposed to be praising God? Am I supposed to be praying against my enemies? Am I supposed to be uh, thanking God? Well, this psalm, he's complaining. And he gives us a structure, a structure. It's not the only structure. A structure for how to complain. So let's read the psalm and then we'll look at the structure of complaint. The psalm 3, let's read it, the whole thing. And it says, Lord, everyone say Lord. How they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me there is no help for him in God. Huh. I have all these enemies. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of 10,000 people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, uh, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. Watch this, watch this. <laughs> you do that. I'm not going to do that. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. 
Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Number one, uh, the first part is the appeal to God's name. When you complain, complain to God and use his name. Say, God, I'm talking to you. Now, um, one time my my son was, uh, and probably this happened with all my kids, when they got mad and, and they said something to me in a tone that I didn't like, and I said to them, remember who you're talking to. Has anybody's parent ever said that to y'all? Okay, remember, okay, I'm not the kid down the block. Remember who you're talking to. So when you're complaining to God, you always want to say, Lord, and what you want to do is remind yourself who you're talking to. And not that you have to be like, okay, God, but Lord, you are the sustainer of my life. You are my strength. You are my hope. You are the one who permitted this to happen. You are the one who's going to get me through. So even though I'm bringing my complaint to you, I'm understanding that I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to a friend and I'm not talking to someone who I'm mad at that's going to, that, that did me wrong that I'm looking down on. I'm looking up at you. Say, Lord. Everyone say, Lord, I'm, I'm coming to you. And that's why when I tell you on Sunday when you come to church, say, God, here's my problem. God doesn't want you to come to church and play fake like it's all fine and good. Hey, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, everything's fine, hey, praise the Lord. And then go out and go loco in the parking lot and go cray-cray with your family back home. Say, man, God, 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 what's up? Everyone say, God, what's up? That's fine. Come to me. Come, be real with me. Don't come to me and say yes like a robot. Yes, Father, I am in church. Thank you very much. I praise the Lord. And I give that devil up and it says that about that shit. And then I hit my head and I hit, praise the Lord. Jesus, word. I don't even, say, I don't even wait to say, count to three. I just say word anyway because I'm not paying attention. <laughs> Is that I'm coming to church like, man, God, I, I hope you have some answers for me. But, Lord, I'm confident you do because you're God. And I'm acknowledging that you are Lord. You created the heavens and the earth. You can move mountains. You told me if I trust you, you will move mountains. And I would say from this mountain to move over this mountain. And so, from this one place to another place. So I'm coming to you as you are God. Because if you think you have to carry your problems, you'll be crushed. If you think other people are going to fix your problems then you're going to put pressure on other people. But if you think and trust God with your problems, Jesus said, cast all your cares on your neighbor. No, that's not what he said. Jesus said, carry your cares by yourself. That's not what he said. He says, cast all your cares on me. Give me your burden and I will give you mine. My burden is light. So come to God with your problem. Please, and whenever you have a problem, whenever you got something, the first person you go to is God. God, I don't, I don't like this. And then now talk, have conversation. Number two, and look what he says. Well, the very first, first word of the thing, Lord. Everyone say Lord. And then he said, then the next part, the complaints that motivated the lament. What are you complaining about? Look what he says. How they have increased who trouble me, many are they who rise up against me, many are those who say to me, there is no help for him. What his son did is his son started getting all these people to follow him and like him. Matter of fact, his son, his son stood by the gate of the city where people came in and came out. And he, he, the Bible says he, Absalom at the gate is a term where Absalom is telling people as they come in and out of the city, hey, the king gave you this kind of deal, I can bless you this way better. 
And he stole people's hearts. And he got all these people to be against David. And they were saying, hell, Absalom, hell, Absalom. And David's like, all these people are surrounding me. And he's running saying, God, this is not fair. Do you know what your problem is? In other words, when you come to God with your complaint, can you clearly articulate your problem? Because sometimes the problem is not the problem. Man, my, my girlfriend left me. Well, her leaving you isn't the problem. You don't brush your teeth. <laughs> and I'm half trying to be funny, but half trying to give you an illustration that sometimes what we think the problem is is not the problem. Sometimes the problem is us. Sometimes the problem is our perspective. Sometimes the problem is that we've complained to too many other people before we came to God. And then we, created the, we, we made the problem even worse. And so make sure you can articulate. Matter of fact, one of the best ways to articulate and clarify what you think something means, whether it's a problem or a good thing, is to write it down. We did a series on mind your business and how you should analyze your negative thoughts. A-N-T is automatic negative thoughts. Ants. We have ants. Automatic negative thoughts. Raise your hand if you have automatic negative thoughts. Amen. And we, and we, had, we went through a six-step process of analyzing your negative thoughts. And the first step was write the negative thought down. My husband, my, my wife didn't cook a good dinner. And therefore, she's, I think she's poisoning me and I'm going to die. My wife gives me pills, um, uh, the supplements every day, six sets of supplements. From when I wake up to when I eat breakfast to when I eat lunch to, uh, and when I eat dinner to when I go to bed. It's just like all day. And I, and I always joke, if I ever die mysteriously to swab the little baggies that these pills are in, my wife's not poisoning me. She, my wife loves me, takes care of me. She takes care of me better than I take care of me. Can I get amen? Amen. Okay. However, if the, last week I was sick and I wasn't getting any better. From Sunday, from Sunday to two days ago, I was just sick all week and I wasn't getting any better. And I was, and, and, and I was joking. But I was like, uh, uh, <laughs> I was in the bed like, are you poisoning me? <laughs> You're, I didn't think that, but some of you, if you don't have a good relationship with somebody, you may, your mind can go someplace. And if you don't check it, you'll believe it. But the one of the great, best things is to write it down. You got a problem right now? Write down what your problem is. And you may realize that your problem has a very easy solution. I looked at the scale and I didn't like the number on the scale. Therefore, I'm gonna, this is gonna happen and this is gonna happen and this is gonna happen. And the easy thing may be throw out the Twinkies. I don't know what the answer is. But write down, clarify what is your problem. And in that, God may reveal to you a solution. Because when you come to God who knows everything, and you say, God, here's my problem. Everyone say, God. You ever hear that term? I got this happened in my life, and this happened in my life, and this happened in my life. And then you should say, but God. <laughs> but God. 
put it all in the context of your relationship with God. Number three, uh, a plea to help for God, from God. But you, O oh Lord, everyone say, but you, O oh Lord. Oh my gosh, look what it says, but you. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts me up. Here is how you complain to God. God, I got this problem. That's my problem. But you. Everyone say, but God. Say, but God. God is bigger than your problem. God is more powerful than your problem. He is bigger than your enemy. And so you start with, Lord, my, it's like a sandwich. It's like a God sandwich. Lord, my problem, but God. <laughs> and if God is sandwiching your problem, guess what happens to your problem? It gets squished like that. But God. And it says, but you, O oh Lord, but you, O oh Lord, are a shield to me. Say, God is my shield. Say, my glory. <laughs> and the one who lifts up my knee, my head, the one who lifts up my head. Say the one who lifts up my head. Lord, here's my problem. Here's my problem. I can't take it. I can't take it. But you lift up my head. But you give me hope. But you give me vision. If God can't solve your problem, you are completely helpless. But if God is for you, who can be against you? And what can be against you? And what can destroy you? But God. Everyone say, but God. Come on now. Come on now. Number four, confession of sin or assertion of innocence. In other words, what part of this is your fault and what part of this is not your fault? It says, I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill. I cried to God. It's in your problem as you describe your problem and your complaint. Lord, this is, this is what happened to me. This is what happened to me. What did you do? If anything, what can you change about you? If anything, the only thing you can control is what you can control. Lord, you are awesome. But this happened to me. But Lord, you are awesome. But here's what I can do. Now, you may think this is not complaining. This is complaining God's way. See, complaining a child's way, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this. And I'm going to say this until you change your mind and give me what I want. That's complaining man's way. Complaining God's way is, is Lord, I don't like this, but you are good and you are faithful and I am willing to do whatever I got to do. That's why we have to learn how to complain the right way instead of just looking at the negative because the devil is, the devil is just negative, 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 negative. You're justified. You don't deserve this. You're better than this. You, you, they, you should get, they should, God's got to get them. That, that's, that's the devil's way. God's way is no, Lord, you are good. I don't understand this. I don't like this. It is okay to say I don't like something, but Lord, you are good and you are going to get me through. And here's what I can do different or here's what I did wrong. And then look at the next one. The judgment on one's enemies. There are psalms where you can actually call on the vengeance on your enemies. This sounds, this sounds like what? <laughs> what? You mean I can say, God, get that person? Yeah, you can say that. <laughs> Just remember. <laughs> what you goes around comes around. <laughs> You're going to judge them as much as you want to be judged. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Not vengeance is yours. And so what you want to say is, Lord, here's what happened to me. Can you judge them according to your mercy? 
according to your loving kindness, according to your patience? Can you deal with them according to your righteousness? Can you deal with them according to what you're doing in their life and in a way that brings redemption to our relationship? Can you do it your way? Instead of saying, Lord, get them because they did something to me. Remember, Lord, I'm coming to you with my, what I believe my problem is and I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to confess my part in it. But also, can you deal with them according to the way you deal with it? Now, God deals with unrighteous people, but we don't want to be that unrighteous person. And look what he says. For you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Lord, you do that. Let me tell you something. Um, if you resist God, he will resist you. How many of you ever felt like you were fighting against God? Okay, you don't want to read? You're like, I, I ain't fighting against God. How many of you ever felt like God was resisting what you were trying to do? Okay, okay. Just so y'all got the alligators. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're trying to get a relationship going and God's, it ain't happening. You're trying to do a business deal, it ain't happening. You're trying to make an appointment with something, and it's not happening. You're trying to pursue something in an area in your life that God does not want you to pursue because he has not called you to do that, and it's not happening. God is resisting you. God says, I haven't blessed that in your life. And then you try to do something else and the door just pops open. And then before you even know it, someone calls you with a job, someone calls you with an opportunity, someone calls you with a deal, you're like, have that happen because God said, this is the way I want you to go. Our relationship with God is not about God, here's what I want, bless me. It's about God, what do you want from me, bless. I'm going to walk in that. I want to walk where you're already blessing me. I want to walk with you. I want to do what you're already gifted me to do. I do not want to do what you have not gifted me to do. And when you walk against what God has called you to do, gifted you to do, when you start trying to uh, um, do deals and relationships and transactions that are against what, against what God wants you to do, God can block it. Now, God at the same time can say, okay, go ahead, it ain't going to work out. Some of your lives may be nothing but frustration and failure and frustration and failure and because God hasn't blessed it. Just because you're a Christian and you pray does not mean God will bless it. I'm a Christian, I pray, God will not bless everything I do. God's going to bless what he's called me to do. And God's going to bless when I'm obedient to him. But when I'm a disobedient to him, God is not going to bless my life. And he says right here, you have struck your enemies on the cheekbone. In other words, you have resisted those people who have resisted you. There are people who are going to go to hell. There are people who are judged because, by God because of their sinful, sinfulness and their sinful acts. Don't think we can't be that person. So the people in your life, you say, Lord, this person hurt me. This person did. At least this is my perspective. Can you deal with them? Because if it's up to me, this is what would happen. But I'm going to surrender them to you. And let me tell you something. You do not want to fall in the hands of an angry God. So let, let that go. We, a lot of our frustration that we carry in our life and our bitterness is because we're trying to punish someone in our own anger and frustration versus letting that go. That burden is way too big for us to carry. Unforgiveness is drinking like drinking poison, thinking that person's suffering from the poison. Because you're complaining about them and you're talking about them and you're angry with them, but you're drinking the poison of bitterness and, and jealousy and envy, thinking they're getting punished when in fact it's only hurting you. Say, God, I'm going to have you deal with that. Number, number six, 
an expression of trust in God. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Everyone say salvation belongs to the Lord. You know what God says? I want you to come. We have to, we have to always remind, remind ourselves, God, I trust you. I trust you. I don't like my situation, but I trust you. You will not only save me eternally, salvation, but you will save me from this situation. You will save me from my despair. You will save me from this difficult time that I'm in right now. You will save me. David's saying, I'm running from my son. I'm the king. I'm running from my son. I'm hiding because I think they're going to kill me. But God, you are going to get me through. You will redeem me. God will save you. In, even when you're mad and don't like what you are going through, God's saying, David's saying, telling us when we complain to God that our complaint has hope. It says, God, I'm coming to you not liking this situation, not knowing what's going to happen, but I declare that you are my salvation. I declare you will get me through. I declare you will save me. And then number seven, it says, an expression of praise. Your blessing is upon your people. Say God's blessing is on me. Everyone say God's blessing is upon me. God, even though I am struggling, even though I don't know what's going to happen today, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, even though I feel hopeless and helpless, I declare your blessing is on my life. <laughs> A lot of times the devil will have us focus on this one, this two, these three things that are horrible and say your whole life is wrapped up in that one incident. Your whole identity is shaped by that one incident. One person rejects you. Two people reject you. And all of a sudden, you are rejectable. You're damaged goods. One person offends you, violates you. And all your life, you feel like you're damaged goods forever to everyone. Because the devil's a liar. And God says that's not true. I am your savior. My hope and blessing is on your life. And in your complaint and in your pain, you come to God and say, God, please, can you take this burden from me? And I surrender my pain to you. I surrender what I don't like to you. I surrender what I despise to you. I'm asking all y'all to bow your heads and close your eyes in all the campuses. Lord, none of us like the pain that we go through. None of us like the trials we go through. None of us like the disappointments of life. But where else can we go? To whom else can we bring them but to you? There are so many people in all the campuses who are suffering right now from something. And God is saying to you, bring your cares to me. Bring them to me. Remember, I am the Lord. The beginning and end of your faith. I am your Savior. I am your comforter. I am your help. 
I am the rock upon which you stand. I am your beginning and your end and your middle, your top and your bottom. I am the Lord. Bring your problem to me. Tell me the cares of your heart. Share the burdens of your thoughts. Explain them to me. Cry to me. Shout to me. Cry on my shoulder. Give me the burden that you have against your enemies. I will deal with them according to my loving kindness. Just like I have dealt with you. But please don't run from me. Don't take your problems to the deceiver, the destroyer, who will do nothing but make them worse. Bring them to me. If you would like to bring your problems to God, whether your problem is a relationship problem, a health problem, a financial problem, whether your problem is you don't know Jesus as your Savior. In a minute, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And then we want to pray with you. So if you would like to come complain to God and cast all your cares on him. In the privacy of your heart, just pray this prayer with me. Pray, dear God, I trust you, but I'm hurting. I love you, but I'm scared. I worship you, but I'm lost. I cast all my cares on Jesus. I know you died and rose from the dead for my sin. So I lay all my problems at your feet. You are my Lord and my Savior. Holy Spirit, I pray you minister to people right now. I pray that problems are lifted from people. I pray that people will experience a release of their burden, of their discouragement, and that the peace that surpasses all understanding would fill the heart right now. And that you would set them free from the bondage the devil has put them in to be worrying and repeating in their head over and over the disaster that may never come in their life. I pray your peace, I pray your presence on our life. If you prayed that prayer just a minute ago, to surrender your burden to God, to ask God to take over your life, and to count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand on all the campuses. I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. I know the Holy Spirit is whispering in your ear, I love you. I know what you're going through. It's going to be okay. But it's going to be up to you to respond to him. So if you prayed that prayer and you would like to cast your problems at the foot of the cross, we want to pray with you. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. 
Our whole Christian life is wrapped up in obedience to God and it's responding to the small, still voice of God in our heart. My prayer is that you respond. So on the count of three, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. If you want your husband, wife, friend, stand with you, just tap them on the leg or the shoulder. So on the count of three, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand. One, two, three. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. 